0: Today is the 40th day since we celebrated Christmas. February the 2nd, in the life of the church, is another feast day related to the birth of Christ, the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple at Jerusalem, the story you just heard from the gospel according to Luke. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. This story brings together two religious regulations from the Law of Moses, the parts that we know as Exodus and Leviticus. First, it was an aspect of Jewish religious life that following childbirth, a mother was deemed ritually unclean for 40 days, and after that, she was ceremonially readmitted to public worship in the life of the community. Second, Every firstborn son of a Jewish family was to be presented and dedicated to God, also in a ritual ceremony. And this ritual had its roots in a kind of um, covenant loyalty to God uh, dating back to the story of Passover uh, when God liberated the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. So firstborn sons of Israel symbolically at least, belong to God. And in Jesus, Israel will come to see this offering quite literally. So today, 40 days after Mary gave birth, it is declared that her postpartum purification is complete, and Jesus is presented, dedicated in the temple for God's service. And I understand that to our modern ears and sensibilities, these Jewish cultic ritual sound arcane? Well, I can assure you they were not arcane to Mary and Joseph, and they will not be to Jesus as he grows up later on. And I think a stress point here for Luke is that Jesus is born into a thoroughly observant Jewish household. So imagine Jesus as a, as a little boy growing up, as he becomes an adolescent, a teenager, a young adult, growing up there in Nazareth, he was deeply, deeply well-formed in his Jewish identity. His parents taught him, and they modeled for him what that looked like, what that meant. And in that way, I believe that Mary and Joseph would be very good examples for Christian parents here in this community. But today, Jesus is a mere infant, 40 days old, and I can kind of in my mind's eye, see him bumping along in his mother's arms as she perhaps rides on a mule from Bethlehem up to Jerusalem, the temple, and that is roughly the distance from here, downtown to our state capital. One imagines these two, Mary and Joseph, feeling a bit nervous, perhaps intimidated, awestruck by the scale of the temple, the grandeur the hustle and bustle of the place only heighten their self-consciousness. That these are, you know, rather simple, ordinary people from the hinterlands, but here they are in the temple. We are there with them today, and in the midst of this liturgy, there suddenly appear two prophetic figures. Their names are Simeon and Anna, and they are described as devout. They are described as obedient, constant in prayer expectant, very much at home in the temple, longing for, looking for God's decisive action of coming into the world once for all. So, in other words, Simeon and Anna represent Israel at her very best. For us, they represent the church at her very best. And now enters Jesus to be presented dedicated to God to them to us to the world so we have a number of characters in this story we have Mary we have Joseph we have Simeon we have Anna I would add a fifth character the temple itself uh, functions in that way as the setting as the backdrop to everything that's happening here and of course we have the last question what do those characters have to do with the main character who doesn't have any lines with Jesus? I want to fight the temptation to try to over explain things uh, and just simply focus our gaze on Jesus in the story by having us ponder the view from the perspective of Mary, his mother. What might she have seen happening? That would help us in this story to gain a better sight ourselves of who Jesus is. In other words, as with his birth, Jesus comes to us through Mary, I wanna suggest. And I have to imagine, too, that this is a very unnerving experience for Mary. For there she is, again, a very simple, very young Jewish woman, engulfed in this vast temple complex, when a stranger, an elderly man at that, named Simeon, and he's clearly a religious eccentric, comes up and takes her baby boy out of her arms into his own hands and lifts him up in praise. Years ago, we're told, the Holy Spirit had communicated to Simeon that he, wouldn't, he wasn't going to die before he saw the coming Messiah. And now here he is, the song of Simeon with which we are so familiar in our beloved Book of Common Prayer. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised, for these eyes of mine have seen the Savior whom you have prepared for all the world to see. Well, the familiar beauty of these lines may obscure what an awkward and scary moment this is for Mary. Who is this old guy who's just taken my baby and is holding him up in his hands? Does he even know how to hold a baby? Please, please, sir, don't drop my baby. I wonder if he sensed her anxiety but continued on anyway because in that moment the Holy Spirit mysteriously communicates something else to him, that this child that he's holding in his hands will accomplish his saving work through suffering and grief, through death. And Simeon turns to Mary and shares this devastating prophecy. This child is destined for a life that will be opposed by many and will lead to suffering and grief, and suffering and grief for him and also for you, his mother. It will be as if a sword has pierced your heart, your soul. There are at least a few different Greek words that could have been used here in the translation for sword, but I'm told that the one that is used here is for the broad sword, which is the most devastating weapon or sword at that time in that land, a very lethal double-edged sword. We're supposed to get that. And so here it is that I think we get to the heart of the story's powerful poignancy because we, now reading it back through history, already know how this boy's story will end. We know that this helpless, today, innocent baby boy will grow up and he will indeed suffer rejection and revilement in almost every town and village where he goes and ultimately he will suffer a gruesome public execution. And that is just about the last thing The last thing that any mother would ever want to possibly contemplate when gazing down on her precious new baby. Because babies are meant to represent our best hopes and dreams for the future. And here too, I just have to imagine that Mary carries this dark prophecy in the back of her mind for the next 30 years. As this little boy again grows up, every experience of joy with him, of delight in him, every funny moment with him is somehow shaded by this memory, what she hears from Simeon today. This moment in the temple, seeing it, interpreting it through Mary's experience. To me, it's kind of like Mary stands along the shore of a great and wide river that represents the whole world. And it is here now in her spirit that she places her sweet-smelling little baby boy on a small raft, and she gently pushes him out into the currents that will carry him away from her, sweeping this child into our fallen and dangerous and rebellious World, and I have a hunch that mothers hearing this story can relate to it more than I can. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I'm not sure about that. I know that I have shared since I've been here a couple of times. Uh, my first intense experience, uh, knowing the vulnerability of entrusting your firstborn to a world that might hurt your child. Susalie and I were not long married. A couple of years, we had our first child, a little girl named Eleanor. And I got a phone call from the associate rector at the church where we were members, Grace and Holy Trinity Church in Richmond, Virginia. The associate rector asked if we would be willing to offer up little Eleanor to the Christmas pageant that was coming up soon. They had live ammo. (laughs) In the Christmas pageant at Grace and Holy Trinity, a live baby played Jesus. I've shared earlier today, we already thought Eleanor was little baby Jesus, so it was a perfect match. We said yes, and Eleanor was not much older than Jesus today in our story when I was sitting in the pew watching the pageant unfold, watching a little girl in all this costume. She was about 11 playing Mary, carrying our precious little girl, our little baby, bouncing up the chancel steps. And I just found my body going like this. And she had a misstep. And she went like this. And I saw Eleanor's little arm fly out for bundle. And I thought, my God, what were we thinking? What were we thinking to bring life into a world like this? Again, that was my first palpable experience of realizing how it feels to entrust one's own to a world that has its own bent, a world where I don't have control over it and what it will do. I know this too. There is a worldwide cult of mothers who pray and weep for their lost sons and daughters, those who, in the words of singer Jason Isbell, left home to try out all the sins. And Mary is their patron saint, for she will pray and she will weep for her lost son, who left home to forgive all the sins. And it will cost him everything, absolutely everything, for him to do that. So in this way, In this important way, Mary, mother of Jesus, is an icon for God, the Father of Jesus. Do we see this? For along with Mary, God delivers this baby boy into a world that will do everything it can to send him right on back out of the world, precisely as he saves the world. This gospel story, therefore, is a window into the very heart of God and the vulnerable love that inspires the coming of this little boy dedicated to his mission today to retrieve all the lost sons and daughters who rightly belong to this father with him. And so it causes me to reflect, what if it is the case that what we love the most and hope for the most always have the potential to break our hearts, to pierce them, Do we have faith and trust still to dare to love and to hope? Yes. Yes, we do. For there is a light, there is a promise at the center of reality who is Jesus the Christ, dedicated and lifted high to God in his dedication to coming low to us. where our hearts with Mary's with God's and with His are pierced precisely as our lives are saved and our futures secured.